everyone, and welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. This is Ryan Parker. And here we are with the first Killer Serials episode of 2021. Ryan, we took a little bit of a hiatus after a long commitment to rectify. It's like the longest commitment I've had to anything other than my wife and kids was that rectify. <laughs> you, yeah, you, laugh, you laugh, but it's no. actually the truth. <laughs> same here. I mean, we that was close to what six months yeah it was big time and now we're on to something completely different oh my gosh is it ever but before we get to what we're discussing uh i do want to make a recommendation i just made it to you but i think you know hopefully the type of listener that we have here uh will find this interesting i watched a film last night again not a serial but still streaming on hulu called in and of itself and i just want to recommend that to whoever is listening out there because I had heard about it on the Colbert show. Stephen Colbert is a producer. He and his wife produced it. It's a film version of the stage play, stage performance in and of itself by Derek Del Gaudio, who is an illusionist. Uh You might hear that and immediately be turned off. You should not be. Um, He performs his illusions on stage while telling the story of his life and while asking his audience to consider the nature of our identity. I found it very moving, very thought-provoking. And as somebody who spends a little bit of time in church, something that I wish more of our preachers would watch. (laughs) I think they might be able to learn a lesson or two. Not that I want them doing card tricks on the stage, but just his whole ethos, his vulnerability, his gentleness with the audience. Tony, I hope you get a chance to watch it. I'd love to. Maybe we can talk about it um, as a bonus episode here on Killer Serials. But just wanted to put that out there before we dove into the next okay. series. Wait, we have sound effects now? All right. <laughs> Where did we get that? <laughs> because we like- upgraded to the we had upgraded to the uh better Zencaster. My fr- my friend don't with the current series that we're discussing these are perfect i know i want to talk about this so i love the fact that you have access to these things let's talk about oh buddy here we go let's talk about wandavision everybody subscribe (laughs) to disney plus you can watch two seasons of the mandalorian and you can okay, dive I, deep with into WandaVision with us. Let me just say that uh, this this provoked my first um, Disney Plus experience, the, the, us doing this WandaVision. And I will say, I started watching The Mandalorian with my youngest kid, who's 16. And we really like it. I mean, it doesn't even attempt to hide the fact that it's just a Western set in outer space. Oh, absolutely. I mean, John Favreau said all along, let's do it. Yeah, it's a Western set in outer space, which is It's so good. Back half of the second season is fantastic. All right, I want to say why I think um, you and I are the perfect two people to talk about WandaVision. See, I don't think we are, but so I'm interested to hear why. Go ahead. Well, I think we're a good combo then. If not the perfect people, we're a good combo because I'm not a comic book guy. Had you not told me that WandaVision was two characters out of uh, Marvel Studios, I would not have known. I had to look on Wikipedia to figure out who they were and that they're, you know, I don't know, this movie, I guess, starts at the end of Avengers Endgame. Like, they go off and live together in a suburb, and now here we are. 
So I didn't know it was a continuation of an Avengers movie because I don't really watch those bit, movies. Yeah. It's just not it's just not my thing. So I think and and you're much more into that genre of Well, let me clarify for the audience too. If there's somebody who's like super, super into comics, yeah, and then there's you, I'm probably in the middle. You're not so, Jay Baker. It probably not. It, you know, I, and it'd be great. Maybe we get Jay on here to talk about it if he's watching it. But there's, you know, there's a whole history of Marvel, yeah, superheroes, antiheroes, the whole thing that I'm just out of because I wasn't as into it. You know, I would growing up in a small town in Mississippi, we had a comic book slash baseball card store, but mm-hmm. I would just go get the things that looked cool. I was never dedicated to a series, right? Gotcha. Or like yeah. one particular character. But although now I still go to the, my local comic book shop every week and pick up issues. Um, but now I'm geared more towards, I think, writers and artists than I am any particular yeah. hero or series. So, for example, yeah. in this case, I was going to also recommend uh, here at the top, if you're watching, a, watch the first couple episodes of WandaVision or are into this at all, I highly recommend the Vision comic book series that ran for a couple years, a couple years ago, written by Tom King, who I think is one of the better writers working in the genre. And he crosses publishers. So, you know, he did Vision for Marvel and one of the most recent things he's done that I really liked is Batman. He did a ton of issues of the most recent run of Batman. And he's just, he's a phenomenal writer. He's working with Ava DuVernay on her next superhero series. So it's different. It's slightly similar to what you would see in WandaVision, but benefits from some great artists and uh, mm-hmm. just really, really smart. Well, yeah, exactly what you're saying. I, I agree. I think that's why th- this is interesting. I mean, I hope I can at least bring a fresh perspective of, I think in some ways these are, y- you think about, you know, Disney Plus and they're they're in a tough spot because on the one hand, they're trying to appeal to the millions of Marvel fanatics, you know, like my friend Jay Baker, who uh, when he lived in Minneapolis had a locker at the com- his local comic book store where you know he had subscriptions and they put them in the locker when they came in and stuff like that i mean the hardcore and we sh- i should also say about jay i just actually read in the newspaper today that the movie about his mother called Tammy Faye is coming out in September with Jessica Chastain so we'll have to have jay on for sure and talk about that movie what my point is is that you know disney is is on the one hand appealing to these hardcore Marvel comic book fans, but they also have to appeal to people like me, people who aren't deep into the backstory, don't understand who these characters are. Like the characters in some ways, they're very much part of, you know, I see they're part of the Marvel continuity universe or whatever, Marvel comic universe, it continuity and phase four, blah, 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 Marvel cinematic universe. I'm seeing it now. But it's it's also got to stand alone outside of that and be interesting enough to somebody like me who's not into comics. And I would say after three episodes, here's what I'm glad we did, Ryan. I'm glad we did three episodes because after the first two, I'm like, well, this is cute and clever in a way that's like recreating old sitcoms with a little bit of apocalyptic weirdness in each episode, like literally five or 10 seconds of, of weirdness in each episode. But it, but episode three not only set an entire new palette for the series, and it 
kind of jumped ahead in television sitcom timeline from like an I Love Lucy to a Brady Bunch, but also it's getting more complex both in the two protagonists and and their relationship with each other and how odd they are having these twins very quickly, but also other characters who are starting to be a little bit suspicious around the edges of their world. Yeah, so I want to recap. You were going to you you think this works. You think it hits those two notes for you. As an outsider, you find it if this is the right word, viable. Like you find this compelling, engaging. You don't feel like your lack of familiarity with, you know, the Scarlet Witch and Vision is a barrier for you. I think it's a little bit of a barrier because I just feel like I, I think I I, I want to think or ask why can this guy switch between being a human and being an android? Why can he run so quickly? Why can he reach into his boss's throat and pull out a piece of food that's stuck there? And why, you know, she's a little bit more like, oh, she's kind of like bewitched. She yeah, she wrinkles exactly. her nose and the kitchen cleans itself, you know. I mean, first of all, I just want to say it's a breathtaking set that they've built for this show. This series i think works phenomenally i mean i i am somebody who is mildly invested in these characters somewhat familiar with their backstories and other and obviously well familiar with their appearance in these in the marvel cinematic universe but beyond that i think even if these were just two newly created characters it works brilliantly as a superhero show and i just love how bananas it is yeah I have no idea. Well, I have a guess and a hunch about what's going on. I don't scratch that itch very much because I'm more than happy to go along with the ride. I think they always have been and continue to be phenomenally cast characters. Yeah. Paul Bettany's great. Elizabeth Olsen. I just think the world of her ever since uh, Martha Marcy May Marlene. Side note, people should watch that too. But you're right. I mean, I, I just love how it's captured the aesthetic of the the time periods that it's kind of in some way lampooning. It also planning the question of really why why are we here? Why are we not just in a modern, a more modern setting? So that's the first big question for me. And we'll be interested to see how why this is. But you're right. It the first two episodes are really that kind of 1950s era sitcom and the first episode is it's the trope of the boss is coming to dinner we have to impress the boss and of course everything goes wrong right the second episode finds wanda and vision out in the community at the fundraiser for the school so there's some more interaction with their neighbors and a little bit in the first episode even more in the second episode we could talk about the, the third episode in a second but you start to realize that there this is not just simply a world that they're inhabiting. Yeah. That it is a itself is a set for something else. So the set within the set, you're right. It's it's pitch perfect. The laugh tracks, the cinematography, oh, right, the right, costumes, Ryan. the laugh track. It's incredible. I mean, well, it it's not even really a laugh track. It's the 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 name of the first episode is filmed in front of a live studio audience. And fair enough. It, yeah. I mean, it might be a laugh track, actually, but the way it, they've definitely made it more to sound like the the sitcoms you and I grew up with that were filmed in front of a live studio audience. Um, but yeah, the music, 
the costumes, uh, everything about it, it, it makes it, it, you know, it recreates a certain, well, now that we're in three episodes, it recreates really two different genres. One that you and I watched growing up, I Love Lucy and uh, My Three Sons and Leave It to Beaver on, you know, syndication reruns over and over. And another one that, well, I'm older than you, that I grew up watching The Brady Bunch, Laverne and Shirley, Taxi, those kind of, just everything they've done, even the bumper music. And and then let's even say, this is why I think you're onto something when you say it's it's a show within a show was is the commercial. Well, it's the commercials. And then you also see at the end with the closing credits, where somebody's attempting to reach out to Wanda. We don't know who this is. And and also, I'll, I'll say quickly, and probably should have said this at the start, I have not looked at any of these articles, and there are plenty about Easter eggs and people guessing what might be going on. I, I tend not to read that yeah. stuff. And I tend, like I've said, I yeah. tend not to think too hard about it and, and look for those little things. And I know why that's fun and why people do it. I just kind of enjoy being... Uh, taken for the ride but at the end we do realize that there is something much bigger going on that they're in this world within a world because of somebody's watching them maybe even something sinister well well, of course it is i mean the three each episode has something yeah that i find and and some cases fairly disturbing i mean that first sequence or the first episode and the sequence i'm talking about is when vision's boss starts choking and his boss's wife is begging them to stop, but she's doing so with this smile on her face that it's almost like it's a record, you know, that's kind of skipping or a CD that, yeah. yeah, and that's that was really creepy. And then, yep. in this, you know, you see a little bit of this in the second episode, um, where kind of this outside world is breaking in with the beekeeper. We don't know what that's about, some people might. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, let's not forget in that second episode, the the voice coming through the radio, or maybe that was in the very first episode, calling to Wanda, and they're at the little, at the garden party. Exactly. That's right. And and some people, it's like people don't know, other people don't see it or hear it. And then, of course, you know, you have in the third episode with the neighbor, Herb, who is trimming the hedges, and he immediately starts cutting through yeah. the brick right. wall right. that forms the barrier between their houses and the stork showing up and walking around in the living room. <laughs> you know what I thought of Ryan was what it, what it reminded me of was the Truman show and that these characters are somehow trapped in some artificial world. And there are people on the outside, maybe trying to reach them, talk to them, get to them. Yes. And then of course we have at the end of episode three, the character who's you know spends most of the episode in the living room, she gets somehow tossed out of the town to the outskirts of town, and then you know cops come screeching up, and that's how we end the third episode. So, I mean, in in, in maybe in lieu of uh, recapping it, since probably everybody who's listening to this has watched it. Hopefully, if you haven't, we've just spoiled a bunch of stuff, and you should go watch it. <laughs> What what are the themes that you've seen developing in this, in addition to the ones we've already mentioned about kind of the comic book Easter eggs and then the, the homage to old-time sitcoms? Well, beyond that, and I don't know if this is a theme so much as it 
is just a feature of the first two episodes. Well, I guess of all three episodes are the ways in which it by playing in that sandbox, so to speak of the black and white uh-huh. family sitcoms of, and now as we move into the kind of the full color versions, as you compared it to the Brady bunch, you know, it just kind of forces us to look back on ideas about gender roles and stereotypes about family dynamics and relationships I don't know that they're like very deep spiritual or theological themes. Although, you know, you, I guess you could look at vision as some sort of divine figure. I'm just more intrigued by their willingness. And by they, I mean the Marvel producers willingness to go here. And I, I just think it's a mm. great addition to what is sometimes a, a very boring genre. People are so tired. I I love superhero films and comics, as we talked about, and I'll pretty much watch any of them. But they're they're kind of the same. And I just love how crazy this is, and how bizarre, and hopefully how much freedom it gives other creators and writers, how much room it gives them to play around. I mean, there's some iconic characters who don't have TV shows. I mean, I, I just think about the Hulk, and you remember the old Hulk show, which is I sure do. It's so campy and you look back on it and it's, it's just hilarious, but that was more like a procedural crime drama. And once an episode, yeah, he would, he would hold yeah. solves a problem. Right? Yeah. Right. And solve a problem. Yep. I mean, I, I just think, and you, and you look at the wealth of, of comic series of maybe, maybe this gives license to other networks or platforms to take a chance and say, Hey, let's, let's revisit the Hulk or let's, yeah. let's look at, you know, Nighthawk or, or, or Kate Bishop or whoever, and just take a chance. So I, I, and so, and as this continues and how these characters exist in this world within a world, and then also aesthetically how the series develops, that's what I, I am really, really, really intrigued by. I don't know. What about you on the, on the kind of thematic front? Yeah, I I mean, th- this is, I guess, the one theme that stuck out to me that I liked that's maybe a little more, runs a little deeper, that Vision and Wanda are, what I love that they're so in love. They're like really in love, and it's so as good. campy yeah. and weird and comic as it is, it's still believable, like these two characters are in love. But what's interesting to me is that they don't understand the world they're currently in. They don't understand the rules of the world that they're in. So when Wanda's water breaks, it starts pouring rain inside their house, and then it turns out it's pouring rain inside of other people's houses. You know, she uh, something sets her off, and the uh, electricity fails, and it fails for all their neighbors. They don't understand when they get pregnant how quickly... She's going to come determined to have that child. One thing that I think is fascinating, and this might be a stretch, Ryan, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go for it. Hey, you, you, you miss 100 of the shots you don't take, bud. Okay, there Let's you go, Wayne. Thanks, Wayne. Go down swinging. I think. I think that a lot of us have had that feeling recently, both in the Trump administration and because of COVID. We don't quite understand the rules of the world that we're in. It's not quite operating the way it has always operated. That's good, Tony. 
Yeah, we're just unstable. We're a little bit unstable. We're a little bit off balance. And what I love about these two characters is, at least for these first three episodes, their world see the, the world they're inhabiting seems a little bit off kilter and off balance. And they they know that's happening, but they can't quite figure out why or what's going on. And so far, at least, they have clung to one another, and they're kind of kind of go through it together like on the childbirth thing they just did it together now wanda does something right at the end of episode three where she throws that lady out and uh vision comes in and asks you know where is she and oh you know she had to leave so there's a little deceit which anytime you see that in in a you know like in a tv show marriage you know oh that's a little a little germ of deceit will grow into a cancer in this relationship. Yeah. And you, and you also see seeds of the kind of communal dissonance, right? Where, where yeah. the neighbors in the episode that I just watched episode three are, they know something about that woman. They know something about maybe even the world that they're just not telling vision. Yeah. But Tony, I like this. I mean, I, I really think you're onto something. And because the whole series feels, as you said, a little, well, I, obviously we've said together, this is just, it's weird. The characters feel weird in it. And yeah, yeah. We, we're watching this three days. We're talking about this three days after the inauguration. And I've, I've had to check myself, like probably like many people, because for four years, you know, I would wake up and think, okay, what fresh hell is going to be unleashed right. in the world or on Twitter or whatever. And that would pollute my day. Rightly, rightly or wrongly. Yeah, but it's 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 also like, do we have to wear masks? Do masks really work? The vaccine's coming. We're out of vaccines. We have too many yeah. vaccines. Not enough people yes, to give the vaccine. It's, it's all those things. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, and now, and I mean, what I was going to say, it was like one of those things is gone for the moment. Yeah. Because yeah. I, even since then, I found myself like, oh, what, what, what weird ass tweet are we going to be talking about today? Nothing. Right. But you I'll know. say this, Ryan. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, this, you know, we're going to get back to normal. This is that, that was Never. just a four year, four year aberration. And I honestly think like I am, I am much less convinced of the stability of democracy uh, than I was before. And I was not ever that, con- I was always pretty cynical about it, even though everybody else, you know, you don't dare say that to the dad sitting next to you at the high school wrestling match, you know, who served in the military and salutes during the national anthem before the match. But I've been pretty cynical about this whole thing. It all feels pretty unstable to me. So well, again, the, tweet, the tweet I keep going back to recently was, you know, the next fascist will be better looking and more polite. Yeah. Um, yeah. And will yeah. draw more people to him or her. <laughs> yeah. But right. yeah, I think you're right. And this idea to go back to normal, this may be the best show for where we are now because I, I, I find myself, I'd be on long walks with my dog, you know, and just thinking about, man, I can't wait till I get to fly to Europe again. Yeah. Well, when the hell is that? And I'm going to be wearing a mask and, you know, I, there's still a risk of transmitting a disease and or a virus and passing that on to somebody that's just completely out of my control, even if I'm vaccinated. So you and, or, or I watch a basketball game and think, oh, I can't wait to go back. 
I, there, I have no idea when that ever is going to happen. And there are mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. that, that 20 years from now, we, I mean, maybe not even 20 years from now, five years from now that we don't know yet things that we've done that we did in 2019 that we may never do again. Yeah. The way we used to do them. I mean, you might even say, uh, yeah, you might, no, you might even say that their, their setting, which is constantly shifting and fluid and also unpredictable, like, uh, the rain, coming down from the ceiling or the uh, lights going out uh, or the neighbor just like using a hedge trimmer to saw through a cinder block or the, you know, the doctor is obviously kind of a weird comic book figure. You go, go on and on, but the whole, so, so it's not only that it's shifting forward in time and they're going from 50 sitcoms to 70 sitcoms and I assume they'll keep moving forward and next thing they'll be spoofing Seinfeld or something in, in episode four. But also that, that the whole so thing great. is, yeah, also the whole thing is so unpredictable and shifting and honestly, isn't that like what we've done to our own climate? that we just actually don't know anymore what it's like to live in Los Angeles or Minnesota because Minnesota winters aren't cold anymore and we don't get very much snow and yep. LA is on fire every fall. And, you know, you go on and, and on. Like, about, <laughs> speaking of rain, there was an article that says we're about to get two years worth of rain in three weeks. I mean, oh uh, three days, gosh. three days. Really? So, oh, you know, it's the extremes, like to your point, the extremes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you a question though? I know, yeah. I know we're, we're coming up against it and we're trying to, you know, keep it short and sweet here, but that's an uneasy feeling. And yeah. as many people have written, th- this uneasiness breeds hate groups, breeds yeah. insurrectionists, breeds violence. It doesn't have to, but it, but it often does. H- how are you dealing with that? I don't want to go too deep on this, but what's, What's something that you think about? What's something? How do you talk to your kids about this? When you feel that way, what what kind of settles you or does anything? I tell my kids when it all goes south, drive straight up to our lake cabin property. <laughs> We've got a gun safe full of firearms. Stop it! We've you're you're contributing a couple to years, the problem. A couple, we got a couple of years worth of deer. No, I mean, my kids, not, I, mean, maybe I tell more them, existentially, you know, not practically, like what's the existence, you know, people talk yeah. about, oh, no, well, I know, I well, know God gives me peace. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, what's your, I'm coming I to do. that. I, cabin, I know exactly what you're saying. Okay. It, there's not enough room for you. I'll bring beer. <laughs> okay. You're in. You know, I tell my kids a lot that don't take democracy for granted. Honestly, don't take the stability of our government for granted. You know, I was with a family member recently who was complaining about his taxes were too high. And this is somebody who's, you know, done very well. And I'm like, the reason you've done so well financially is because you live in one of the rare countries in the world that has a very stable government, which allows the economy to thrive and allows you to get rich. Like if we lived in, if we lived in Russia, you'd be paying off an oligarch and it'd be a lot more than your marginal tax rate. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just like, do not take this for granted. First of all, I, I think democracy is fragile. And secondly, I don't think it's eternal. So what I tell my kids is like, you need to be prepared for things to get 
and and it is existential. I'm not just talking about the practical. Like you need to be mentally and spiritually prepared for life to go back to a very primitive state, which I'm not I'm not some wackadoo conspiracy theorist. I really think like I'm not saying it will, but I sure it would sure wouldn't surprise me if the whole thing went down. I've told you this before. And so that's I guess that's what I'm talking about is the spiritual what is the spiritual preparation for that? Um, at, because so many times we make jokes about those end times. What's your spirit? What's I know for me, I, you know, I try to think about this holistically and, you know, and from a healthy perspective, I, I gratitude for me is a big thing um, of trying to navigate the, the spaces, gratitude for people in my life, mm-hmm. contentment with less or trying to be. Yeah. So, so things like that, that I think would equip us for, changes as they come our way. Um, but I've also, I've said to anybody that'll listen over the last year or two of my life that we should be moving intentionally to more communal forms of existence, which you might define as primitive, but we existed in these smaller communities for thousands of years. And I, I think it would serve us well as we think about how to live in economic crises where people have less, how do we pool our resources how do we mm-hmm. share better? And, you know, I think so much of what you do and the way you live, it would, is a, equipping for that. But I think there are ways that we can do it. It's harder to do that in a big city. Yeah, I, I think that there's a way to mentally prepare. And it, it reminds me of um, the first book I read by Brian McLaren, which was his first book. And it was about it's funny. It was really about change, how to change a church. And I remember vividly in the book, he talked about creating a culture of change. And he says that, he says the way you do that is you teach people that change is reality, change is what we live in. There, everything's in change, everything's changing, everything's in flux all the time. He's like, if you get that change right, changes two through a hundred, like the next 99 changes you want to make in your church will not be a problem because the people in the church will be committed to this idea that change is the norm. It's what we do around here. That's all we do around here is change. Yeah. And I honestly remember thinking when I read when I read that and then started to get to know Brian um, that I wanted that to be a huge aspect of my own personal life that when things change around me that I don't panic or freak out that I don't expect everything to be the same every single day and I you know I I don't know about your dad but before my dad died he was very much a creature of habit did the same thing every single day it drove me a little bit bonkers watching him do this and knowing that you know we live human human existence is about change so that's what I've tried to do and and back to the show we're talking about I think it'll be interesting watching these characters I mean that's the crux of any good show or movie or novel right is watching the main characters deal with tribulation and and when change is thrown in front of them what do they do nobody wants to watch a show about somebody doing the same thing every day like something's got to go sideways so i like the show a lot i like this i can't wait to watch the next episode kind of with this in mind of what you've pointed out for us okay but before we go 
I know there's one character you really want to talk about. Can we talk about Catherine Hahn's character or just Catherine Hahn? Like, can we talk about what a treasure she is? Oh man. Uh, she steals every scene that she's in. That first episode is hers. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, it's WandaVision, but it's hers. I mean, she is such a force Yeah, and she's only, she's not, doesn't play as primary a role or as, as big a role, I should say in, episode two but you get into episode three she's talking to herb about you know the neighbor and like she there's a a menace to her too you know she comes in as this kind of wacky neighbor in episode one episode three you're like well she she knows something's going on and she kind of can switch uh that tone very easily and i just i think she's just fantastic and you know we you as you said you know just remembering her work in uh, transparent Oh my gosh. And yeah. So I just, I, yeah. I didn't want to get through our first conversation about this series without just showing her some love that she's yeah. fantastic. We'll, we'll try to get her on. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Hey, you miss, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't <laughs> Thank take. You. Thanks Michael. <laughs> uh, I keep talking about all these athletes. All right. Well, what a show. Uh, we will yeah. after, you know, we, we you like had, it? we have, I like it. We have, th- we covered three episodes today, but we will be back in subsequent weeks covering one episode per week and talking about, uh, you know, the deeper themes that we find in WandaVision. And maybe you can educate me on the Marvel Cinematic Universe layer four or whatever the yeah. hell it is so. or yeah or you could get that that uh, trade paperback of tom king's run on the okay. vision and just really dig into that all right thanks everybody for listening to killer serials and we'll Take see care. you next week with wandavision 104